0: It would be unconventional, but understandable It's Shohei at the plate. And now it looks like they're going to pitch to Shohei will bat as the tying run here in the seventh inning.
1: There's a fly ball, left center field. Did he get it off? He flips the bat. Bader's at the it through. It's gone. It's tied. Shohei Otani is 35th fifth home run. And it's three to three.
0: Hi, this is Emily Nyman, and you're listening to Breaking Balls. Welcome to episode 128 of Breaking Balls. I'm your host, Emily Nyman. I'm joined by my co host, John Snyder. You can find us on Twitter at Break Balls Pod. Or if you're feeling brassy, give the Break Balls Hotline a call, 631 820 7377. Welcome back, everyone, from our extended All Star Break. And we're back. We are such All Stars that we were like, you know what? We deserve two weeks, actually. Not just that single. <laughs> that was week. our
1: All Star Break. <laughs>
0: A lot has happened since then, as usual, which is fine, because in years past, and not that I don't love doing an episode every week, both have their charms, right? Like, episodes every week in 2021, when the Yankees were really fucking bad, it was like, well, what do we talk about now? Same shit as always. But now, it's like... There's so much that's happened. The Yankees are still kind of bad. They are giving me big 2021 vibes, but recording the episode feels different than it did then because we've been taking like two weeks
1: between. It, it does too, because I remember I had mentioned in one of the previous episodes, it's like, you know, our team's being bad is really good for the podcast, <laughs> but it's not really good for a weekly podcast <laughs> because it gets repetitive real quick. Yes. But once every two or three weeks, a fresh new batch of shit to complain about? Yeah, no, it's not not too shabby.
0: The weirdest thing... That happened since our last episode. And I still can't fucking believe this happened. Domingo Herman throwing a perfect game. Like, what were the odds of that happening? Of someone, anyone throwing a perfect game
1: between? Every every time something like this happens, all I can think is like somebody somewhere at the beginning of the season made a prop bet that Domingo Herman would throw a perfect game. Somebody did it, and somebody won just an unfathomable amount of money.
0: Well, if everyone listening, and if John, you remember correctly... He had an awful start either right before or the night of our last recording was his start before his perfect game.
1: Oh, right, right.
0: And I was motherfucking him left and right, and I stand by that, and at some point, I thought that I said it during recording, but DJ Benjington and I went back and listened to it. I must have said it either when we were getting ready for, to record or after recording that, watch, he's going to like throw a no-hitter or some shit because I said all this, because we have a very... Well, if you
1: hadn't said or some shit, it would have just been a no-hitter. You left the door wide open I for know. a perfecto. <laughs>
0: I'm picturing like that, what's that, like, Kambuka Girl meme, where, like, fate heard the or, or shit and was like, hmm, yeah. all right. <laughs> Listen, when that fucking no-hitter... No, I wish. When that perfect game was happening, it was bizarre because it was also a really, really late-night game. They were in Oakland, so it didn't start until, like, ten ten. DJ Bingington and I are sitting here watching it, and it wasn't enjoyable for me at all. And I'm not even saying that. I'm not, and I'm not even lying where it's like, oh, I was kind of excited, but now I'm like morally posturing about it. I was sitting there just like, you got to be fucking kidding me.
1: <laughs> this should bring me some sort of joy, but it is doing nothing for me.
0: And I even like reflected on the point that, hey, I'm more of an offense kind of gal. I'm more of a, you know, chicks dig the long ball kind of gal than I am about pitching. Not that I can't appreciate it, but I even thought about that, like, is it that? Do I not care? But no. Two seasons ago, Corey Kluber, who I had no emotional attachment to because he came to the Yankees for one year and his nickname is The Robot for a reason. He fucking has no human emotion. (laughs) He threw a no-hitter for the Yankees in, like, one of the last games of the season, and I was fucking excited. Like, living and dying by every pitch like just couldn't wait to see it and this was happening and it was just like why what baseball gods are so fucking cruel
1: so our listeners are going to notice a bit of a theme with me this week but i'm not going to point it out yet so i wasn't able to really watch that game i was out (laughs) and um it was on at the bar that i was at but it was you know the volume was down like it was just on one of the tvs and i wasn't really paying close attention to it like i'm looking up at every once in a while and it's like oh, you know, the Yankees are winning 3 nothing, and now it's 5 nothing, and now it's 7 nothing. I had no reason to think that Herman was doing anything special. It's just like, you know, this is your standard drubbing of the A's. Like, this is what we right. do to the A's. And it was only after I left, I got in my car, I'm driving home, my phone blows up. I'm like, wait, who did what? What? The only, like, solace was,
0: if it had to happen, and I suppose it had to happen because it happened, <laughs> it wasn't at Yankee Stadium in front of the home crowd. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have happened like further away from Yankee Stadium. <laughs> and in
1: front of fewer people than yes. at A's game. <laughs> literally.
0: It was in front of like, you know, 9,000 people at the A's game. Yeah. And it was a super late night game for New York. So it didn't even make it into the next day's papers. Obviously, it was in the following day. But like, oh, it didn't yeah, even get right. the headline the next day.
1: Yeah. Do you remember like in the newspaper when we were younger? Now, like they're able to get it like usually in under. But like it used to be if it was a late night game the next day, it would just be like late night. We don't know the score. We weren't staying up for that shit.
0: <laughs> yes. And it makes sense, right? They have to, like, print the... I think it gets, like... If it's past, like, 11 or something, then it doesn't yeah, make the paper.
1: whatever edition it is, yeah.
0: I was hoping that, hey, maybe, like, they'll forget and just not put it in the paper <laughs> yeah, <right>. at all. <laughs> not so... I didn't have any luck with that, but I'm just so tired of MLB constantly making fans, like, have to stomach moments like that. You know what I mean? Like, this guy slaps his... Girlfriend or wife in front of his teammates at an event, and he gets one of the longest suspensions for DV in MLB history. He comes back, he got caught with foreign substances on his hand also this year, got suspended. And now I'm people are supposed to act like this is some fucking redemption arc. No, these guys don't deserve a redemption arc. Like, and how is he getting a redemption arc? The Yankees and fans, they like won't even acknowledge A Rod's fucking career as a Yankee there's like almost nothing about him in the stadium this guy slaps his girlfriend around and gets popped for cheating and it's like a hero's welcome back at Yankee Stadium his next start
1: yeah that's what really I mean and not to of course not to undermine the domestic violence but what what popped up to me first was like yeah he threw a perfect game this dude's been busted for cheating twice this year like so I'm supposed to believe this is completely clean and like I don't know, man. Yeah, and and that's really the thing is, like, for anybody else, this could be a redemption arc. This is not... This is just baseball, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're an asshole in real life like that. This doesn't do shit for your character. I don't give a fuck. So, yeah, it could not have happened to a worse guy, really, in the league. You'd be hard-pressed to find it. And it's just... God, it's so weird. And I say this as like a Mets fan. The Mets have never thrown a perfect game. right? So I can only imagine in that moment if it was just like a scumbag of a human being, just like that emotion of like, why do I feel empty inside? Like I should be happy right now, but this is just, it, it's nothing.
0: And so many fans were really, it is, it's interesting how fans get on, like when they want to celebrate something, because it's easy to like come down on a guy when he's not playing well then it's easy to be like, oh, and he's a fucking right. scumbag. This perfect game happened, and a lot of people were really excited. And then, of course, you had people then, like, reminding, like, hey, this guy's a fucking scumbag. Right. Even just, like, tweeting about it into the void, not even replying to anyone else, whatever. People getting upset, like, oh, everyone's got to talk about Herman. Yeah, we know, like, let people enjoy it. It misses the point. The point is that look, look at what's happening. This guy just does something great on a baseball field and everyone's supposed to just, I'm just trying to enjoy this moment. No, fuck that. This, this, this guy's wife or his ex or whoever he hit and whoever else he's hit in his life gets to watch him be exalted as some sort of fucking hero because we like baseball and that's cool. Like, I, I don't know. It just really rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm glad that two weeks have passed now because right after that happened, it was a tough week because it was just like, I, it just made well, me feel really sad because I know there were so many people that are seeing all of these reactions from people and seeing the reaction from the media and from the team that have been abused or are being abused. And it's you want to know why women don't come forward with anything? This is why. Because look at what's happening.
1: And you know what kind of in a weird way made it even more fucked up was like Yankees fans that are willing to overlook the DV for whatever reason – they need this in a way you know what i mean like it's not a good yankees year so like no. any other year this could be listen i'm going to put a really unpleasant thought in your head that could have been the highlight of the 2023 Yankees season oh without question it could very well wind up being that way and so like it says something else it's changing the conversation slightly but it does say something about like the yankee season that it's like fans even more so there, there's a certain subset of fans that are just you know They're heartless. They don't care. You know they have their priorities out of whack. But I think even some people that might have otherwise been more sensitive to the specific situation were like, "Yeah, I I need this. You know, this is the one bump of dopamine the Yankees are going (laughs) to give me this season. I don't care who it was. Like, you know, it's a perfect game. It's a perfect game.
0: It is true. It's and you know what? Like, fuck the Yankees for putting us in positions like this. That's really also it. and not to like that's what comes back
1: to. They employ him
0: exactly, and not to. Let him off the hook. He's the one who did it. He's a fucking grown man, yeah. you know? But the Yankees don't have to employ people like that. They don't have to let them back. They Once the suspension is over, they can fucking release them. But they don't. Right. And it's just... It, I'm just so sick of guys like that on the team. And then another Yankee, not too long after that... Uh, I forget who it was. Shit. He was popped for DV. We didn't get any details about it. I mean, I haven't seen any because he's just like a nobody basically in the rotation you know right. what i mean just a bullpen arm so you don't hear about any of the fucking nasty details and i don't even think that's really necessary per se but it just kind of fell out of the news cycle because of it it was like oh this happened he's suspended and then we just never hear about it again like how many fucking guys are like this Are the yankees going to employ is my question and
1: you know what I, th- I think the best thing that we can do now is stop talking about it i know <laughs> literally. <laughs> like literally uh, like we had to say something and it's like you know what Fuck you, Domingo Herman. We're moving on.
0: I know. And it sucks that that was the first one after, like, David Cones. Or, no, well, for the Yankees, not in the league. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, come on. Now it's going to be like, oh, David Wells, David Cohn, who's beloved, Herman.
1: Well, and that's, that's now the he's part of Yankee history. Is, like, he is a trivia question forever now.
0: And I will say, though, the only upside, and not because it was Herman, but as we've mentioned multiple times, I've been concerned about. The dubious nature of the foreign substance checks right. and the way it can affect a player's legacy, specifically for someone like Scherzer, who got popped. And then, how is this going to affect his legacy? It does not seem to be affecting any of their legacies.
1: It's not really, no. Because
0: of the, and I think that's by design that, you know, it's only a 10 game suspension, that it's kind of like there's not much fanfare. The league is just like you're out for a few days, whatever, then you're back. You missed no one two talks about, starts,
1: and right. Right.
0: So, and because of it, the dubious nature of the stickier tacky they are considering mlb that is bringing in a sticky ball they're working with dow chemical right now to try to like
1: uh like japan uses exactly right
0: and that's great news because the pitchers need something yeah to exactly
1: grip. let's get some consistency finally just just let them throw a fucking sticky ball everybody has the same grip and grip it and rip it let's go grip it and rip it let's go, <laughs> let's go. that should be like, <laughs> that's like operation rip it and rip it let's go <laughs>
0: Because there needs to be regulation. That's been the problem with MLB, is that they kind of know that all of this stuff is happening, but they just don't say anything and whatever. And then it's totally like the Wild West, no regulation, and then it gets out of control, and then they try to do something. So it's nice to see them take some initiative, because I'm sure they're realizing, getting reports from umpires, like, man, a lot of these guys have fucking sticky shit on their hands, and they don't know what it is. Like, they're not fucking Elmer's glue heirs. They don't know, (laughs) like, the the (laughs) scales of anything. So, like... Enough with that bullshit. Either stop checking. He's
1: picturing like, like an Elmer's glue air as one of the umpires. And just like, he feels the hand, then like tastes it like, oh, you son of a bitch. I know what that is.
0: <laughs> Elmer-esque glue. That's like daddy's fifth.
1: formula. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Yankees also fired their hitting coach, Dylan Lawson. This was a very, I mean, teams fire coaches and managers. That's something that happens, right? Like mid the Yankees don't really ever do that. In fact, Brian Cashman has never fired a coach midseason before. Not just manager,
1: a coach yeah, in his right. entire
0: tenure. This was a first. So I guess that was supposed to show like, oh, dad's mad, everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm taking it seriously this year, guys.
0: They hired Sean Casey, who a uh, former MLB guy, was in the league for, I think, like 12 years, played for the Reds, played for the Tigers. He was like Freddie Freeman before Freddie Freeman, but... Freddie Freeman wasn't that good in terms of like nice guy. So what I'm hearing is he
1: wasn't Freddie Freeman. Yeah, I'm like,
0: (laughs) his nickname was the mayor. He was a first baseman. He was like that guy, like always talking to everybody. (laughs) Just
1: schmoozing with everybody. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I guess the Yankees hired him because they figured that he maybe might be able to connect better with the veteran players. Because as not only we've mentioned, everyone's been talking about. I'm sure all of you listening have been thinking about the Yankees are in the situation that they're in because they their fucking MVP is still on the I. L and the other veterans that are supposed to carry the lineup are not only not carrying it, they are like dropping it on the right. ground and dragging it behind them. So apparently Dylan Lawson, you know, it's not it's not his methods because his methods are something that are organizational that they teach throughout the entire organization is what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's maybe the delivery and his ability to his ability to, you know, Jibe with the guys, I guess. Maybe it wasn't clicking. Who knows? (laughs) So we're hoping that this will do something. I mean, it's only been like three games. It was right before the All Star break. So they've had what? Literally like four games. I was going to
1: say, they bring in Sean Casey and everything is different.
0: Well, they did win their first game when they came back and we were like, Sean Casey effect. Right. (laughs) Immediately. Not too long before they let Lawson go, there was a rare interview of him. Like, you know, they don't usually interview the fucking hitting coach, third base coach, usually just the manager. And he made some comments about, like, how he doesn't care about the stats. And, of course, everyone really zoned in on that. And, sure, that does not sound great. That is not a great response. Right. That being said, he's the hitting coach. Does anyone think that he's going to be good at, uh, like, a high-stress fucking press right. corps interview where he's there with all these people asking him all these questions about the Yankees' horrible offense? Like, No, he's not going to be good at that.
1: Right. (laughs) That's not his job.
0: And I feel like it didn't take me that long or wasn't that hard to, like, realize that what he meant by saying that, that it wasn't that he doesn't care, like, that they're not doing well or if they're... Well, he did... Actually, he did say that he didn't care if they were last in the league or something. (laughs) Like, listen, it couldn't have been a worse answer. (laughs) But I guess... And I don't know. Maybe just... As someone who's played before, and obviously not close to that level, but... The team—they don't talk about stats. They're not sitting there like looking at their stats. I can almost guarantee that.
1: I, I think it's a matter of you're asking the wrong guy the wrong question. You know what I mean? Because like, right. if you're a hitting coach, it's it's all about approach and stuff, right? So it, he has to be telling the players even when the stats aren't there. Like you know, stick with what we're talking about. Like you know, the results will come. Yada yada yada. So he necessarily needs to be a guy that's like, I don't care what the stats are right now. You know, we we believe in this process. Like you know, the guys trust the process. Yada yada yada. So, it's, it's almost kind of setting him up to fail and get fired by even, like, feeding him to the sharks like that. Right. You know what I mean? It, it
0: did feel that way. I feel like they did the same thing with Hicks. And then they, yeah, like, yeah. DFA'd him. It's like, if you are someone who doesn't just usually just speak to the press, the water. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, they're like, listen, kind of fill out the press room. He's like, oh, fuck.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, this is step one. This is how it starts.
0: People were really thrilled. And I guess it just speaks to what we've talked about in the past, that, like, you just... You want to see some blood as a fan. when Things aren't going great. You know that they're not going to get rid of the GM. They're certainly not going to get rid of Boone. So it was just nice to see something, I suppose. So we'll see how Sean Casey does. I mean, I don't think that the hitting coach has that much of an effect. Though I did see a pretty interesting interview or a snippet of an interview when uh, Barry Bonds was on the R2C2 podcast, Mm Ryan Rucco and Stacey Sabathia. And he told a quick anecdote about a guy who was on the Marlins when he was a hitting coach there. And this guy could not stop hitting into outs, hitting ground balls, whatever, couldn't get out of his head. And Bonds made the point like, you know, these guys, these guys are professionals. They know how to hit. There's nothing that I can teach them. They know what to do. So you just have to redirect their focus. So he told this guy, listen, your next Plate appearance. I want you to hit a line drive. I want you to get an out, and I want you to hit a line drive out. And guy's like, you know, kind of left side. He's like, I'll give you a thousand bucks if you hit a line drive out, your next plate appearance.
1: Well, the best part about that was he was like, I didn't have that money on me, but I told him anyway. <laughs> and
0: it's like Barry Bonds is just like so Barry Bonds that people are like, he must have it. On he's like, I well, believe he, he's him. He's
1: Barry Bonds. Like of course he has a thousand dollars on
0: him. So then this guy gets up to the plate, hits a fucking home run. And, of course, you know, Barabons didn't have to pay him because of the technicality. But he just said that it was just about redirecting his focus, that this game keeps moving. And there's so many chances, so many plate appearances, that when you're in a slump and you're over-focusing on something, it gets in your head. Right. And there's nothing that he, you know, hitting off of a tee isn't going to change that. It's about, okay, how can I get this guy to stop thinking about this and to just do what he's used to doing? And I was like, hmm. Has anyone tried that with you know Giancarlo Stanton or DJ LeMayu? (laughs) Who knows? But it just was a really interesting perspective because I never really considered the things that the hitting coach does Mm. until that interview.
1: And two quick thoughts. You left out the funny ending of that, which is the guy gets back on the bench and he goes to Bonds. He's like, you see that? And Barry goes, yeah, I told you to hit a line out. (laughs) (laughs) But then separately, I, I wonder if it's one of the situations where it's like, you ever hear the saying where it's like, the people that would be best at like being president are the same people that would never run for president. Is that like with hitting coaches? Like the guys you would want as your hitting coach, they know it's a thankless job. They don't want that gig. You know what I mean?
0: It's funny looking through our, so we have every week we have our notes. We have a production meeting. we go over what we want to talk about because there was so much time between episodes. I wanted to put it in like chronological order. So now I'm like, okay, I think we're up to the All Star Game. Finally, I'm like, I think we got all the the end of June, very early July stuff out of the way. The All Star Game is just the fucking oh best. Oh God, All-Star there's going to be two
1: separate Yankee segments on this episode. Kill me.
0: Well, because I wanted to go chronologically, John.
1: I know. Just, just talk about the All Star Game. I didn't I, watch it anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm such I am such a homer with this Not kind of shit. No single the theme yet. Gerrit Cole started for the American League through the first inning. That was great. Judge couldn't play obviously because he's hurt. And that was it. Yankees aren't that good this year. So there wasn't any other All-Stars. So I was mostly just fucking around online or whatever, had the game on. And then like, I made a comment about it being boring. People were like, this game is awesome. And I'm like, well, I don't care what the All-Star from fucking Colorado Rockies does. Okay, like, yeah, oh, the great pitchers from these other teams, and especially like the darlings of this All-Star weekend. Vladdy won the home run derby. You know, Randy or Rosarena. So I'm like, fuck
1: these guys. Plus, I mean, the all-star game was basically the Rangers versus the Braves. It was. Like, who cares?
0: Classic call, too. The first inning, Acuna let off. And Adolis Garcia made an amazing catch at the wall. It would have been a home run in one stadium. It would have been a home run at Yankee Stadium. Of course, of course. (laughs) And then the next, like, two, a batter or two later, I forget who hit it, but another almost home run, another amazing catch in the left field this time. And it was just like, thank God I was so nervous for Gary Cole. I like almost <laughs> couldn't watch that inning.
1: See, It was very similar for me because for the Mets, it was Senga and Alonzo. which, okay. I mean, Senga especially is deserving, but Senga said going in, he's like, well, I'm not going to pitch, which I dig that, you know, he wants to, he's focusing on the Mets. That's great. But as far as incentivizing me to watch this all-star game, I know that, you know, Pete wasn't um wasn't the first ballot. Like he was he was one of the afterthought ones. So it's like he's not gonna get time. Like, uh, yeah, he had like two at bats later care. in the game. Yeah, so I mean the only thing I was really interested in was the home run derby, which I mean, you can't even really get mad because Julio Rodriguez just put on a fucking oh my show God. in the first round. And then Alonso has to go up. It's like even if he kills it, he would have to set the record in the first round just to win this. So that was over before it started. Yeah, man, I don't know. It's just the All Star Game just doesn't have juice, you know. It just, it, which is saying something, because it's still the best All Star
0: oh, yeah, weekend out of sure.
1: the, out of the major sports. But it just, I don't know, man. And you know, I don't want it to sound like all oh, like old timey cranky. It's like, well, it's because the players, you know, they they switch teams too much now. But there is an element of that. It's like the novelty of like, oh, we would never see these guys in the field together. That's not really there as much anymore, and so it's like
0: yeah, interleague play has sort of it's taken li- that yeah, out. Yeah, it's of it. the
1: interleague play, and then like they tried to do the whole thing like incentivizing, like you know, the, the winner of this gets home field advantage. Thank God they got rid of yeah, that. That's but, so stupid. But now it's like it's back to it doesn't matter the way that it shouldn't matter. But I, I just I just can't bring myself to give a shit about it. You know, it's tough. Especially, well, you know what? What it really comes down to is we didn't have enough players that we were invested in. Right? You know, if suddenly there, there's great. five Yankees and you know four Mets on it, then it's like, all right, I could watch this, yes. but who cares?
0: That was me last year. I was like, this is an amazing All Star weekend because <laughs> right, yeah. the Yankees are good in the first half and they had a million All Stars. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton won MVP last year. It was great. The home run derby is always great. This year was awesome. Uh, Adley Rushman of the Orioles he participated. His dad pitched to him, yep. and he's a switch hitter. So for part of his first round he was hitting lefty and then he took a break and then he started hitting from the right side that's so fucking cool now, i'll
1: tell you what that's one thing that they might be able to do better with the uh with the home run derby is and listen i'm not not making excuses here you know you got to perform pete's pitcher did him zero favors like all like up and in and just like throwing these balls and shit it's like should they use a pitching machine or something or just like have like the same i don't know have a more generic guy do it versus like because put it this way, it it bit Alonzo in the ass. Because his whole thing, he made this big deal about like, oh, one of my youth coaches is going to come back and throw to me. And then the guy developed some kind of forearm issue, clearly from over-practicing for the <laughs> derby. So it had to be one of just like the random bullpen coaches did it. And he wasn't prepped for it. and just went like shit. It's like, I'm torn between like, is there a way to eliminate the advantage of like, Like, Julio Rodriguez's guy was just throwing fucking darts for him the whole time. I mean, You know what I mean? Is there a way to equalize that? Or am I overthinking something as arbitrary as the home run derby, and that's part of the fun of it? Shut up, Emily.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And also, they do, because they can pick who they want. Right. And I I totally understand, like, the sentimental ones, because I feel you. I remember feeling frustrated. What was it? A few years ago, Matt Chapman's dad couldn't throw a fucking strike to save his life. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, put uh, a guy that's never been on a big stage before in front of millions of viewers. Right.
0: Uh, Adley Rushman's dad, he did okay, but he was throwing too slow. Yeah. And I remember sitting there being like, oh, my God, like, hurry up. And it's like, wait, this means something different for all of these participants. And I even think right. the same holds true for Pete Alonzo this year is that Pete's already won it twice. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: And he's at least made it to arbitration. So he's making more money than he was when he first won. And he was like, this is the most money I'm going to make this year. Well, it
1: was. It was more than his contract that year.
0: (laughs) And, you know, for guys like Rushman, their dad, when their dad has been like one of their coaches and stuff, it's like, this is the moment because, hey, you don't know what's going to happen. Like you assume your career is going to be as long, but anything can literally happen between now and next year. So you might as well give it a shot. Enjoy it. Hell yeah. But I also understand why someone like Julio Rodriguez, who won, who has participated in the Derby before, I'm pretty sure he was in last year's Derby. I think so. And he was at his home stadium with his home crowd in Seattle. He picked a pitcher who, I don't know if it was a coach, one of his teammates, someone. It was not
1: sentimental. It was, let's go win this thing. Yeah. This yeah.
0: person. And you could tell by their forearms, because even uh, Vladdy had a, the manager throw to him, Schneider. Yeah. And you could tell that they're coaches because like they're pretty built because they work out, whatever. Yeah, they yeah. So he was throwing dots to Rodriguez right in the spot, and it was just incredible, because he would not have been able to have that 41 home run performance without a pitcher that consistent.
1: Right, yeah. Here's my 85-year-old grandmother she's <laughs> no. going to throw to me.
0: <laughs> and I really do like this format. I didn't mind the 10 outs, but it used to get a little boring because they would take a lot of pitches. But this format, you have amazing moments like that, Julio hitting 41, but then he was gassed well, and had nothing that's left. that's what I was going
1: to say. I prefer the timed format. I agree. I think there's too much time on the clock. Yeah, I for agree. For one thing, they don't all need an automatic extra 30 seconds. It's right. like like, for what? Like, I know that you can earn more time. That's cool. But shorten it a little bit, man. Make it like, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes, something like that. So that, you know, they still have some left in the tank. They're trying to get a few more in, and then they're not completely gassed by the next round, you know?
0: Eduardo Perez made so Mookie Betts participated this year as well, and he hit like 11 or whatever. He didn't, he didn't do horrible, but he lost first rounds. <laughs> so he
1: said going in, he's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to win."
0: Yeah, and what was really cute was they interviewed his wife, and she's holding uh, their baby, and she was saying, you know, they asked a question about like his performance, whatever. and she was like, "You know, I don't care what happens here. He doesn't care. He's just doing this because I said to him." He should do it so that way he has done everything. He can say he's done everything when his career is over and he won't have any stone unturned. And, like, I really thought that was cool. And that was that such, like, cool. good fucking encouragement. Because, it's like, yeah, who cares? Have fun. You're Mookie Betts. Who gives a shit if you lose this right. Home Run Derby? But now, when you look back in your career... You're gonna say you've literally done everything. One World Series, been to the postseason, played outfield, played infield, home run derby. Like, I wonder if he'll have a more well-rounded career than anybody in like the derby era. Like, is there anyone Mm, who's like him that's just been like, "Fuck it, I'll do the derby."
1: There's got to be. We should we should put together some kind of like checklist of like what's like all the shit that a player can do and who's done the most of it you yeah know? and who's
0: got some work to do oh, exactly Let them know, right, yeah. tag them fyi you really need to get going here buddy
1: it's like you know ichiro pretty good career but home run derby champ i don't know yeah
0: people would say they're like oh he used to hit a lot of home runs in batting practice it's like well it's not the derby yeah,
1: so. i'll bet <laughs>
0: national league finally fucking won the derby
1: oh yeah yeah which was kind of disappointing because they only won two to one. And we know the one of the cool new rules is if it's tied after nine, they go to another home run derby. We were deprived of that.
0: I know. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, Elias Diaz of the Colorado <laughs> Rockies. It is cool that he ended up because he had the, the game winner. He right. hit the solo home run, like the eighth thing or something. And he was an all-star pick because every team has to have an all-star representative. And that was him for the Rockies. Correct, yeah. So like that is kind of fucking cool. And then yeah. he won MVP. Like, that's probably going to be the fucking highlight of this dude's career. Oh, easily. At one point, it was in the later innings. It was when I think the game was still tied. Or no, they had just taken the lead, the National League. Mm-hmm. The ESPN booth said that that in like the last fucking 20 years, the NL has only had a lead like nine innings or something like that. Right. That is fucking ridiculous. How?
1: Uh, th- that's just gotta be one of those statistical anomalies, you know what I mean? Like,
0: just and I guess, yeah, it's a small sample size because it's only all-star games. Right. So twenty years is only twenty games, but that just seems unfathomable. It to is me, weird, yeah, right? Of course, leaving the all-star game, you have every hope for the second half. So we're in the second half now. You fool. I know. the Yankees <laughs> the Yankees went limping into the all-star break. In July, they are fucking five and nine. They're not really playing that great. Judge, though, hopefully will be back soon. He's, like, running, catching. So we're hoping that by August he's going to be back. You can't... Dare
1: we even say baseball activities? Oh,
0: my God. And I'm nervous, man, because, like, the Yankees, they still are, like, a two-game or two-and-a-half games out of a wild card. The division is over. The Rays have won the division. I'm focusing on the wild card. I don't care about that anymore, like... They're still very much in this. People are giving up on this team like as if they're fucking 10 games out of the wild card.
1: Not all first, for that matter, too. Not all first and last places are created equal, and you need (laughs) to look no further than the central divisions for that.
0: Almost the entire season so far, when you go on MLB.com, it lists the American League East, then the AL Central, AL West, in that order. Mm-hmm. The AL East and the AL Central have been in order, like they're one big division in terms of winning percentage the entire season so far. Because, yeah, the Yankees are now in last place of this division. Whatever. They are, I will say, the worst 50 and 45 team I've ever seen in my life. Or,
1: Or are they the best last place team you've ever seen?
0: You know what, John? I needed that. Thank you. That's why I'm here. And... That leads me to my point that people are giving up on this team, and I get it. They're not fucking dominating by any stretch of the imagination or reality.
1: No. (laughs) Or reality.
0: (laughs) There's certainly been better seasons in the recent past. Like, all of them. I know. Well, 2021 was tough. (laughs) But I will make the point that even when they won 103 games in 2019, do you think that everyone was fucking... Super happy and smiling and loving everything. Was no. no. Fans were still complaining, still had issues with the team, with the lineup, and they won over 100 games. So being more dominant doesn't necessarily make the Yankee fan experience better. I will say that. I will also say there's fucking 60 games left in the season. We're not in late September. like, And even if it were late September, they're only two games back. They can literally be at this point in the record two games back, right up to the last week of the season and still make the playoffs. Right.
1: They're very much in it.
0: And over like the last 10 or 15 years, in terms of who wins the World Series, like the team with the best record that goes into the postseason or teams with the worst record, they are dead even in terms of the best record winning the World Series or the worst record in the postseason winning the World Series. There's no rhyme or reason to who can make a run. It's about who
1: gets hot. Yeah, and comes back to a point you make all the time it's just about getting in you got to get your foot in the door and then see what happens and i think i mean like maybe part of it is for a lot of yankees fans it feels like unfamiliar territory you know kind of like backing in or just like being like hey welcome to baseball guys i know you've had a charmed few decades there but this is how it goes for a lot of teams okay <laughs> you barely get in and yeah. then you, you hope for the best like that's <laughs> that's what it is
0: and this week the yankees hit like uh a new low, and well, not new, just hasn't happened in a long time. This is like the worst place they've ever been in at this point in the season since 1992. And
1: 1992 was the last losing season. losing season that they've had. Yes, yeah,
0: they were in last place, but granted, they were under 500 in last place. Mm. So this is a weird like situation, a, right? Yeah, but that's piqued a lot of interest among fans. Sure, whatever media. To the point where people are now losing it and they're delusional. Someone wrote an article about how, you know, maybe the Yankees should blow it up and they should do what the Orioles did to get <laughs> draft picks. What? What the <laughs> Orioles did? Lose 100 games three or four years in a row? Yeah,
1: they, they think they want that. They don't want that.
0: No. No. The only reason that fucking fans of all these organizations that do that shit put up with it is because at that point, they don't have many fans, they have their super, super, super fans, and that's it. So, what do they care? Lose 100 games, doesn't matter. The Yankees are the most successful baseball franchise in the entire world. They are worth $7 billion. They're going to tank? Lose 100 games? Like, that would fucking destroy the
1: league. It would the, the, Right. People are not thinking about the ripple effect, but also it's funny to make the Orioles comparison because it's like the Orioles did not blow anything up. They just sucked big time for years and are now seeing the fruits of sucking for that long. So it's like what these Yankee fans really want is just to fast forward through, you know, however many years that takes and be the Orioles now, which you don't want to go through that. You, you no. don't. And the the fans would never allow... We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The fans would never allow that, first of all. They would flip their shit if the Yankees were to tank. As they should. Even if they had it explained to them, like, guys, this is the strategy, blah, 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 blah," they would never... If there's a team that can't, it's the Yankees. They can't. And look no further
0: than Houston and Houston's fans. Do we have to? (laughs) They are really... slight. They love the way that things have worked out for them. They tanked. They got a ton of high draft picks. But well, at the point that they tanked, all of the fans, and it's not that people didn't like the Astros. I'm not saying that they like didn't give a shit about them completely and now love them, but they didn't live through those years.
1: exactly what I was about to say. So oh, yeah. of
0: course they love the fruits of that labor because when you win, it increases the size of your fan base exponentially. So all of those people, they don't I mean, give a shit.
1: When you hop on a bandwagon, it's like, wow, this wagon is pretty great, huh?
0: <laughs> and also, it wouldn't even be able to work for the Yankees in that way because- you can it's more than just tanking. There's also rules in terms of draft picks that's determined by market. So even though the Yankees they could tank, but it still wouldn't get them multiple years in a row of like first round of like top draft picks because they are in the fucking largest market in the entire country.
1: And I think there's also th- something to be said for like recognizing the talent level of Cole and of Judge. It's like so you're really advocating that we're just you're just going to waste having them, having them right. locked up and like waste their primes. No, let's blow it up. So you're going to come see judge fucking play center field surrounded by bullshit and lose every like it's it's so poorly thought out and reactionary and just like, oh, I just, just want to be better. It's like, well, that's not how this works, you know? <laughs> like there's no quick fix.
0: And the calls of course to fire Cashman. Now, I don't I don't have any love for Cashman. I'm not like he's the it's a GM. I don't give a shit in that regard. But Fire him and then hire who? Right. Who's going to come in here that's going to do something better than what he's done?
1: Well, I think part of it is that all of the fans clamoring for it are secretly hoping that they get hired. (laughs) Because they could do a better job running the Yankees.
0: They just want the stories that they heard about George Steinbrenner. Because anyone that was old enough to remember like the years where the Yankees were bad, and he was still the owner of the team in those years, early 90s, whatever, the 80s, they all say that, no, those years were terrible. He was a terrible owner. His reactionary bullshit was embarrassing, and right. it created a really bad culture, and the Yankees were bad for a while. It's the people who didn't really know any of that. They only know the dynasty, and they're just like, obviously he was the guy, and what he did was the right thing, and they need his son needs to be like that. <laughs> he needs to just totally destabilize the team in the yeah, middle of yeah. the season that's going to help them win? How? <laughs> like It doesn't even make any sense, and I get... Fans want blood. I get it. The season has not been fun, especially not having Judge. It'd be one thing if Judge was still in the lineup, then at least you have like your guy watching him right. every day. Because thank God we have Garrett Cole, and he's having so far a Cy Young caliber season, but he's only every five days. Not having Judge has just been awful any way you look at it. So I, I get the frustration, but Cashman is never being fired. That's why they could offer him in a million-year contract. People are losing the four-year. He's never getting fired. No. Because he does his job better than any GM in the entire fucking league. I know he hasn't won a World Series, but they're in it every single year, no matter what. To the point where we're in trade deadline season now. So, of course, the Yankees are rumored to be getting everybody and to be getting every position and switching out this guy. And will any of it happen? Probably not. But that's because they're always in it. So it's easy clickbait.
1: I have seen more photoshops of Otani in a Yankees hat (laughs) over the past week.
0: I've seen more photoshops of every single rumor trade guy over the years in a Yankee uniform than I care to really admit.
1: Well, I mean, they asked Phil Nevin about Otani, like, you know, what's what's going on with that? And of course, well, okay, so the Angels have said that they are in listening mode, which is fucking meaningless. (laughs)
0: Listening mode (laughs) as if they're as if they're usually just like bastions of the league. Like (laughs) they're usually on their fucking soapbox. Like they don't say shit. Basically, on Sunday Night Baseball, Buster only just asked him if he had talked about the rumors with Otani and Phil Nevin. Phil Nevin, first of all, seemed prepared for that question. So I don't think that that was like a blindsided type thing.
1: I think also there's a level of like, if you're Phil Nevin right now, what the fuck else do you think anybody wants to talk to you That's about? <laughs> you <know?
0: laughs> yeah, it's like there's a reason the Angels are the Sunday Night well, if, Baseball If he game. were to
1: be dumbfounded by that question, that would say so much more about him. Like, show <laughs> sure. I haven't really even thought about Shohei like he's that. Like, I don't uh, know, guys.
0: He uh, yeah. just doesn't know what to say. But then he basically was just like, hey, you know, we haven't really talked about it. You know, We're focused on winning games. He said the spiel that you think he's going yeah, to say. Exactly. And people were acting like as if Buster only was like asking really prodding, fucked up questions. It would have been weirder to me, honestly, if he didn't ask him anything about it. Oh you like, have
1: to. You have to.
0: We're weeks away. It's all they talked about during the entire broadcast, first of all, the entire game. It's all anyone talks about now. No. So why shouldn't he just ask him? And this isn't like fucking this isn't hockey where like the head coach is involved in line changes and like Nevin is literally just standing there waiting to argue with a fucking umpire. Right. They were actually <laughs> like, you know, he's trying to focus on the game. He's he is focused on the game.
1: Like this is him focusing on the game.
0: Yeah, give me a break. Like it was just such a a classic overreaction. I get it. Buster's kind of a fucking herb, but it was just kind of. This is the best player in ever the sports history ever, and this is a really exciting moment for the sport. Like the possibility of him being traded is just insane.
1: I think he stays. I, I th- think I yeah. think they don't trade unless over the next because what. Uh, Trade deadline's August 1st, right? Uh-huh. Today we're recording, it is July 18th, right? So we're just over two weeks away from that. Unless the Angels go on an absolute horrendous losing streak and they are just suddenly so far out of it that like they, their hand is forced, if they can at all justify keeping him and, more importantly, keeping the revenue that he's going to bring uh-huh. in from people just going to see Shohei for the rest of the season, he's not going anywhere. I think they'll just take the draft picks if he goes and, and move on.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly, I keep on going back and forth because you let him walk, you trade him, then it's like you traded away the best player ever. ever. Yeah. But then you don't trade him and you let him walk in free agency and you get one compensatory draft pick when he turns down your qualified offer.
1: For, let's say it again, the best player ever. Yeah, ever. It, it's a lose. And you know, it was funny. We were having a talk last night where it's like, I almost don't want to say this out loud almost empathize with art yeah. moreno a little bit <laughs> i was almost going like, to say i did <laughs> he has a tough decision to make to whatever extent i can feel a little bad for a billionaire which i don't it's like okay art has a tough decision to make i'll give it that he does
0: before this season in particular and it still holds true but this sport is so different from the other sports because you can't have one guy he one guy can't do it all for your team. Even someone like Otani who hits and pitches, who's an ace pitcher and a fucking Even a guy hitter.
1: who can do it yeah, all. who can quite <laughs> literally do, it all. do yeah. it
0: all. But then this season for the Yankees happened. Their lineup is horrible, but their pitching has been decent. Mm-hmm. I realized that one elite hitter with those circumstances can in fact do it all for your team. With good pitching and run suppression, Aaron Judge was able to help this team win games, like directly impact winning games. Shohei Otani this year is not only having having an ace pitcher-like year, but he's also having almost an on pace with Judge's 2022 season at the plate.
1: He's outpacing Judge's 22 at the plate.
0: Well, no, not. He's got less home runs at this point. I just did.
1: Yeah, but you look at his average. You look at his oh, slugging. No. Right,
0: but I'm saying it's within points, though. It's not like crazy difference. My point is that he's on that same Level. He's better than Aaron Judge. He's better. I hate you so much. <laughs> Cut where this is over. I'm out of here. Cut, Cut Prince. <laughs> but my point in this yes, is that no, I,
1: I. Yes, you're, you're right, though. I get it.
0: It makes me very frustrated with Art Moreno because.
1: Beyond just in general. But he yeah.
0: wouldn't have to bring that many pieces in for this team to be halfway decent in a division that's kind of up for grabs. Like, your team can be good. You have two of the best players ever <laughs> on your roster. You can't get two fucking good guys in the bullpen or at least another mid-pitcher or two. Like, what the fuck?
1: It's criminal. and It's it's ridiculous.
0: And that's why I feel like they have to trade him because they don't tank. They still finish with like 70, 80 wins. Yeah. So it's not enough to get any sort of good draft picks. I don't think they have much of a player development system to speak of. So with that being said, I feel like they can't. Just let him walk, because then what? Now, just next year from now on, your stadium's gonna be a fucking ghost town. How do you recover from that?
1: And you still have Mike Trout.
0: I still have Mike, who just broke his fucking <laughs> just, wrist. Oh god, his broke his hamate bone. He just had surgery out. I guess, I think he's done for the season. I'm not really sure. I think he's had this injury before in I didn't 2017. See specifically,
1: but yeah, I gotta think
0: and that just really fucking sucks. Really sucks for the Angels, who have been like kind of almost there, but now they're starting to drop out of the wild card. I think they're like six or seven games yeah. back. So that on top of it, too, like, all right, so you're falling further back. You're just going to keep him for the, the revenue and then just see, okay, see you later. Good right, luck yeah. in your fucking rest of your career.
1: <laughs> Good imagine luck being,
0: Yeah. Imagine being <laughs> an Angels fan. Like, oh,
1: God, this is really just so. Especially if you're in California. There's so many other options. You could root for four other teams yeah. in your state.
0: And they're right there. The Dodgers right, and the yeah, Padres literally. are right there. <laughs> the Padres aren't doing that great. But, I mean, I feel like it's still better than this fucking shit show. Who the Yankees can't beat, though. I'm sitting here shitting on the
1: Angels.
0: Otani's up right now. He's about to hit a three run home run, I'm sure.
1: Well, that was, we had a moment yesterday when Otani hit that home run. You said something interesting, which was Otani was coming up with the opportunity to tie the game if he hit a two run home run. And you're like, I'm I'm paraphrasing Emily here, but kind of going back to that point about how, like, Otani's season is pacing with judges from last year. She said, like, you know, if he hits a home run here, I'm kind of kind of going to be convinced that he's like having that kind of season because last year judge hit a home run almost every time you thought he would and lo and behold (laughs) otani did it Mm -hmm. in that moment he's that guy man he's that dude you know oh yeah Um, i
0: mean last year what set guys like judge apart and and the the really prolific uh home run hitters and hitters in general because that's really what set judge Judge apart and what sets otani apart this year is that they're not just hitting home runs. They're hitting everything. And someone made a comment online because the pitch was, the pitch right before it, first of all, Otani swung through. Michael King got like a, a four seam past him. Mm. It was ba- almost middle-middle. And I remember I shat sh- sh my pants when the, he threw that and Otani swung through like, holy shit. He, how did he sneak that by him? He then threw another four seam and Otani didn't miss at that time. And someone online was like, "Why is everyone, you know, saying like he's amazing? Like, you know, my grandmother could have hit that pitch." And it's like, first of all, what makes guys like Otani and Judge amazing is that not that they're turning these shitty pitches into home runs. Oh, I thought you were
1: going to say, first of all, would your grandmother be interested in DHing for the Mets?" Yeah, but no, you, you go ahead. <laughs> I'm
0: like, what makes them amazing is that they hit every strike. They may a pitcher may sneak one or two past them, but. They are able to hit almost every single mistake. Judge hit every mistake last year. Oh, yeah. And their discipline is what sets them apart, is they're not swinging at the shittiest pitch and somehow sneaking it over the fence. They are not swinging at any pitches out of the zone. It was an incredible change in discipline for Judge earlier in his career to last year, and now Otani's doing the same thing, where they're only swinging at strikes, and they're punishing them. Yep. So it's not about fucking hitting a crazy pitch. It's about not swinging at those crazy pitches and having the ability to see the ball well and only swing at strikes. And it's just, you get seasons like this.
1: Yeah, I don't have a good segue into the Mets, and frankly, they don't deserve one. And um, we're not going to give them a long segment because, again, they don't deserve one. So here's a couple <laughs> quick little spark notes. Uh, Seng has been a bright spot, but that's about all you can say for this team. Uh, Uncle Stevie did a press conference while we were away. My only big takeaway is he said that the contracts of Verlander and Scherzer, he considers money already paid. So that means he might be willing to eat some contracts. This could be an interesting trade deadline. Um, that's what they did with Escobar. They got rid of him. They got they ate the rest of his contract, and they got some prospects for it. That was promising, but we were also told that was kind of a standalone thing. So it remains to be seen. But you got to think, I guess not got to but like the Mets. I'm inclined to think might be sellers if they're smart. Robertson, you might be able to get something for. Fam, you might be able to get something for. And that's when the conversation gets interesting. It's like, okay, Scherzer, Verlander, how big, you know, how how all in are we going on this trade deadline? that's going to be interesting especially when we came back from the all-star break it was our opportunity to try and make a statement and we just rolled over and died those first two games against the Dodgers it was ugly i don't even want to talk about how ugly it was and not just because i was busy and wasn't able to watch those games you <laughs> notice the theme yet um, so that was ugly and listen man it's hard to yeah we won that last game against the Dodgers 2 to 1 you know yeah we're beating the White Sox 11 to 9 it's all this stuff where it's like even the games we win it's like okay well the offense is barely showing up. That just happened to be a well-pitched game, you know. Like we happened to score a bunch of runs, but the pitching led up fucking nine. Right. None of it inspires confidence. To you know the White Sox, to the fucking like, White Sox, couldn't who it's, be more like, futile. Of, all of the teams that you got to come into town and sweep them, it's the White Sox, and we're struggling to do that. It's ugly, man. Marte uh, has not looked right most of the season, and he came out and said the quiet part out loud that he is still suffering from. Whatever uh, he had the surgery for uh, his groin injury in the off season, he said he's still feeling lingering effects from it. And anybody who's been watching the Mets this season, it's like, yeah, no shit, we know. So mercifully, he was out of the lineup tonight. Remains to be seen if that's going to be a long term thing or what. But again, that just comes back to like, why are we fucking trotting a hurt Marte out there while Mauricio and Vientos are just rotting down in the minors? Right, might as well call him up, bring up the kids, man, let them play at this point, you know. And then just last thing, I mean. We talked about uh, Judge coming back and you know maybe a little bit ahead of schedule, which is great. Pete Alonzo, we were all excited about. Remember, he got hit on the wrist against the Braves. He was out, and it was going to be for a while. He came back early. It's like, oh, you know, Pete's a gamer. He's tough, and he has fucking sucked since he came back. Since his injury, he's had a 66-weighted runs created plus. That's horrible. All season, he was in the 130s, even 140s, 120s all the way down. So clearly he is not right. He may have fucked his whole season getting his wrist, his wrist hurt. And the last thing I was having a conversation on Twitter and I'm almost loath to bring this up because it sounds like making excuses, but it's really not. I'm just I'm curious the extent to which the pitch clock is fucking up the Mets this year because the Mets have the oldest roster of any team in the majors and it's exemplified you know by again scherzer and verlander you know two guys 40 whatever scherzer is 39 if he's Mm -hmm. not 40 yet um and i just i can't help but wonder to what extent it's they don't have a lot of guys that came right up from the minors that were working with the pitch clock partially because they refused to fucking bring them up and leave them here (laughs) and you know all these old vets and stuff it just it has that feel of like in another year the let's throw a bunch of money at a bunch of vets and bring them in and you know see what happens it feels like that might have worked better in another year and it's just i don't know man it it, it just feels like met's luck in a way and i don't want to lean too heavily into that right, but, it's, but it's it, fair it feels to like speculate. there's something there you know what i mean just like it it is hard to it is hard to make sense of how poorly things have gone to this extent and i just wonder you know because there's nothing else to think about with the Mets. So I just wonder like, to what extent that's that's been fucking them up. But hey, man, at the end of the day, all the teams play under the same rules, right? It's not an excuse. You got to fucking get it done. Right. And they're not. And uh,
0: I think that the Diaz injury too, that he was so key in your bullpen, and that's been a huge problem for the Mets this year, is that it's not that they haven't been able to score runs. It's that even when their starter gives them Or puts them in a position to win games, which hey, Verlander has kind of bared down. He's gotten his shit together. He's been much better than he was in the beginning. Scherzer has kind of bared down. They've both been pretty good. They haven't been Cy Young caliber, but they have ERAs under four. You know what I mean? They've given they've given the team a chance to win, but then the bullpen cannot hold a lead to save its fucking life.
1: Well, that's like you look at Robertson, you know, and the whole thing, oh, you know, he's doing pretty well for, you know, for a vet and for a guy that wasn't supposed to be closing. Imagine if Diaz isn't hurt and Robertson is your seventh or eighth inning guy. Right, exactly. How much better that looks, even just right there. Oh, you
0: you guys would definitely have a few more wins under your belt. Easily. That have been blown by having someone like Ottavino closing the game or Jimmy Yacobonis closing a right, game or whatever right.
1: <laughs> or insert Mad Libs name here, you know? Like
0: <laughs> the bullpen is such an integral part of winning and it's really a tough thing to to create and have a good one if you do not have good player development in your organization because that's really there's the no being, all-star. Yeah. There's no superstar relievers. There's maybe a few, but even those days are behind us. You have maybe one or two guys that it's like, oh, they are like the bells of the ball. Your Josh haters, Your right. your Edwin Diaz's. The rest of the pitchers, if your pitching coach isn't good and your player development isn't good, you are not going to be able to fill out the rest of your bullpen. You're going to only be able to bring in. Aging relievers that no one else wants anymore. Your Ottavinos, your Robertson, who, who's not to even shit talk him. He's the only guy left from the 2009 World Series that's still active, and he's been great for you guys considering he's fucking like 40 years old. But those are the only guys you're going to get. You have to be able to develop them from within. So the Mets, I don't, something is rotten in their organization.
1: Well, and I think that's really what's been exposed. You know, the whole Emperor has no clothes situation right. is like, Steve Cohen came in talking like, you know, World Series in the first five years, yada, yada. It's really being revealed now. It's like... How hard it is to do that? You can try... Well, not not alone how hard it is to do that. You know, you can throw as much money at veterans as you want. Fundamentally, the Mets do not know how to develop players. Right. They just don't. And that is so obvious and glaring now. And if I just... (laughs) If I need to hear Buck Showalter one more time compliment the opposing pitcher, <laughs> I'm just going to. I'm going to drive off the Robert Moses Bridge. Like I don't know what else to do at this point.
0: I mean, everyone is still in it. There's 60 games left.
1: I mean, to the yeah, the feel good line, like oh yeah, it's not technically over yet. But I mean, the Mets, as of right now, let me make sure I got this number right. We're eight games out of the wild card, eight games out of the third wild card spot. All right. So again, it's not like over, over, but it's like got to do something man like you got to
0: really go on a run you have to win and and have a winning streak
1: It felt like we had that little run right before the all-star break they did i think it was a six or seven game winning streak but it also just as important is what do you do when you finally lose a game and the answer all season has been lose a few more rather than pick it back up okay let's start another winning streak that never happens and so no momentum gets going and it's just it feels hopeless and it's 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 felt hopeless for a while now And to quote Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that.
0: And that about wraps it up for Breaking Balls this week. We want to thank all of our listeners. You guys are amazing. And, of course, well, we did have some callers, but we ended up talking for way too long. So, guys, we'll get you back next week. Anyone else listening wants to get in on the fun, feel brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call. 631-820-7377. You can also find us on Twitter at Pod. And we want to thank our amazing and talented producer and engineer, DJ Bingington. You can find him on Twitter as well. At DJ, B-I-N-G-I-N-G-T-O-N. And we will catch you guys next week.